already met Terrence, but I'd like to just introduce him to the congregation as a whole in the context of our worship service. Terrence is going to be preaching to us from the Word of God this morning. Um, he is uh, currently in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, uh, and in the Presbytery is a student under care there, and has been ministering at Fourth Presbyterian Church for the last four years. Uh, he just uh, earned in May, I believe, in the spring, his Master of Divinity degree, which he'd been working on for four years and had already achieved before that um, another master's degree in theology from um, Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, it's a privilege to introduce him to you. Uh, he comes to us uh, with a recommendation of the pastoral search committee and the commendation of the session uh, to be the next associate pastor of Church of the Atonement. So, Terrence, uh, maybe I could offer a prayer for you and then you could come on up. Is that okay? Yeah, Father, we just want to really thank you this morning for the opportunity to worship you, for the opportunity to hear the Word of God preached freely and from conviction. And we would ask you, Lord, to make um, the words of Terrence's mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts uh, acceptable in your sight. Uh, Lord, we pray and thank you that you are with your people when they gather to worship like this. And to hear your word is uh, just a great privilege for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, welcome Terrence to the pulpit. Please. God bless you. Good morning. I am very, very happy to be with you all today. And I want, I want to, I want to share with you today from the book of Numbers, a book, the fourth book in the Pentateuch. And whenever I was thinking about what to preach here today, I, I prayed about it and I thought about it for a, a while. You can't just choose any text. And as I thought, it's funny, I was doing my daily Bible reading, and this passage, these rather these three chapters, stood out in my mind. And I'll tell you at the outset, I've read the story of Balaam and the donkey numerous times, but I did not understand what it meant until two weeks ago. And as I read through it, I thought, oh, this makes wonderful sense. And I, do, I want to share that with you all today. We're going to take a, a sweeping but significant look through Numbers 22 to 24. But I want you to keep in mind the title that's in the program there, What the Lord Speaks, That I Must Speak. What the Lord Speaks, That I Must Speak. In our passages today, we're going to see a, a pagan king who fears a great people, the people of Israel. He's afraid that they're going to come and they're going to conquer him. He knows what they have done all around him. He knows what they've done to the other kings, and he's afraid they're going to come and they're going to do the same thing to him. So he seeks out a prophet, seeks out a diviner, a man who communicates with God, because he wants him to come and curse this particular people that's down in the valley below him. But the thing that stands out, Overall, in this passage, is the sovereignty of God over everything. That the supreme God rules 
every single thing in his created universe. The prophet can only say what God directs him to say. The main characters in chapters 22 to 24 are three. Three. A pagan king who is Balak, a prophet, Balaam, and the covenant God of Israel. The covenant God of Israel. And in our passages today, I've given them to you specifically because I want you to see the pattern that is there. So my prayer is that you see the pattern as I read through it. We read together. And I want you to keep in mind that this pattern is the same. It is the same for the people of God from the beginning of time. God put man in the garden. And when I say man, I mean male and female. To the coming of the Christ. Till the return of the Christ. And for out all of eternity. And throughout all of eternity. Hear now God's word. I'm I'm actually going to start in Numbers 22. I'm going to read you verses 1 through 7. And then I'm going to read through the passages that you have listed in your program. And I've actually, I've added one in there. And I'll tell you that when we get there. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was in great dread of the people because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now look up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers To Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammah, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message. And we begin here with Numbers chapter 22 Verse 20, and I'm I'm just going to read right through these, but listen for a certain pattern. Listen for a specific pattern. It is the pattern that is absolutely crucial for the people of God to hear. Numbers 22, 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them. But only do what I tell you. I should stop there and say this. There are a series of interactions where Balak tells Balaam, I want you to entreat the Lord. And he does. And he comes back and Balaam tells Balak what God has said. Numbers 22, verse 35. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. 
So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. And this is the one I've added. Numbers 22, verse 38. Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come to you. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that uh, must I speak. Numbers 23, verse 3. And Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. And he went to a bare height and met with God. Numbers 23, verses 11 and 12. And Balak, the king, said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, Must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Numbers 23, 16. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus shall you speak. I want to tell you Numbers 23, 19, because it goes right with this one. God is not a man. This is Balaam, and this is one of the oracles that he gives God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Numbers 23, 25, and 26. And Balak said to Balaam, do not curse them at all, and do not bless them at all. But Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell you? Did I not tell you all that the Lord says that I must do? And finally, Numbers 24, verses 12 to 14. And Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord to do either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. And now behold, I am going to my people. Come, I'll let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to give your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people called out of the world for your purposes. God, would you bless your word? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give light and change us and make us like Jesus, that we might shine in a world of darkness and people might know that Christ is Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. There are six things that I'm going to share with you today. Actually, there are five things I'm going to share with you today from this passage but also because it speaks so much to what's going on right here. And the first thing I I want you to see is this. God's people live according to God's word. This never, ever changes. God's people live according to his word. This is the way it has been since God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to work it. And how are they to work it? According to the word of the Lord. You know, it's funny, sometimes as you go through the scriptures, sometimes things look fairly simple, and they are simple. 
but they're incredibly deep when you begin to ponder on what's really there. God fashions man from the dust of the ground and he breathes into him the breath of life and man becomes a living soul and he puts him into this garden out of this massive world this massive universe that God has created and he gives him and her specific instructions in order that they might live isn't it interesting the condition God gives them for life is obey Every word I tell you. And you see that specifically when he says, don't eat from this particular tree. But the point was, obey my word. Obey my word. Humanity belongs to God. All of humanity belongs to God, What is what the Bible teaches us. God made mankind to live in obedience to God's word. Well, the second thing I'd like to for you to see in our text today, even though we live in a fallen world, the God of the Scriptures rules over all things. You know what happened in the garden? Disobedience occurred. And what happened? Humanity dies spiritually and physically. Here in our passage, we have the people of Israel saved out of Egypt, delivered out of Egypt by their covenant Lord. And they've been in the wilderness, excuse me, 40 years. Why are they in the wilderness? Disobedience and unbelief. The spies who went over to spy out Canaan, 10 of them when they came back, what did they say? We can't do it. There are too many of them. God had promised them a land. The Creator the one who parted the Red Sea that they might pass through. And we think there were millions of them. The same God on Egypt, these people did not believe he would give them the land he had promised them. And so they're wandering. They're out wandering. And as they're moving, they're coming to the end of the wilderness journey. They come to the plains of Moab. Moses is going to die soon. Aaron has already died. Miriam has already died. God is about to transfer the leadership from Moses to Joshua. But he's got some more that they've got to deal with here in the plains of Moab. Another interesting thing I've thought about as I was reading through this. The king is plotting against them. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. This particular king, he's not concerned with what the Lord wants. He's He wants what he wants. He seeks a man whom he knows when this man speaks, when this man blesses people, they're blessed. Now, we know that to be a prophet. He gets some money together and he sends his messengers out to get Balaam, the prophet, to come and to curse the people of God. But God does not allow that to happen. God does not allow that to happen at all. Balak, the king, represents those who attempt to stop what God is doing. His agenda is the agenda. He tries to interrupt the flow of what I call redemptive history. He tries to change God's plan. But, now, of course, he's not aware that such is at stake. He's not aware he's trying to usurp the plan of God. But as you read through Numbers 22 to 24... 
As God continues to reveal himself more and more to Balaam, Balaam understands God has a plan for his people. And as Balaam interacts with Balak, there's a few times he goes, Balak takes him and he lets him get a, a glimpse of part of this massive multitude of people. And then before he gives the final oracle, he looks, Balaam looks and he sees the massive people of Israel out in the plains of Moab. Balaam understands God has a purpose for this people. Balak doesn't know that he's seeking to do the impossible. You know, if he were successful, then where would our redemption be? Where would our redemption be? How could we trust God's promises if this man were to triumph over God's perfect plan for God's people? Well, the third thing I'd like for you to see is God's people, the church, are formed by what? God's word. God's people are formed by God's word. Well, how do you get that, Terrence, from Numbers 22 to 24? Well, one of the things that comes out of Balaam's oracles is God's promise to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where the Lord says to Abraham, and I look at this as when Abraham was saved. This is when God saves him. He calls him out of darkness by his word. And what does he say in Genesis 12, verse 3? He says, I'll bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Balaam's third oracle, he says of Israel in the presence of Balak in chapter 23, verse 9, Blessed are those who bless you. He's talking about Israel. And cursed are those who curse you. God has Balaam say what God promised and covenanted to Abraham over 400 years earlier. How did he know that? God revealed it to him. God revealed to Balaam God's plan for the people of Israel. Now, you might think that, Terrence, this is not making sense. You got a pagan king. He knows this people is strong and they're defeating all these other kings and nations around him, and he wants them stopped. He is in darkness. He has no clue. God has him his, his hand on these people. And these people are going to go the way God wants them to go, not the way Balak wants them to go. And he sends a prophet. A man who hears the word of God to lead the people. God called Abraham. Oh, I got to go back. God's promise and his covenant to Abraham. You know, God has Balaam say what God had promised century earlier, centuries earlier to Abraham, even before Abraham and Sarah had any children. God's promise and his covenant to Abraham, God fulfills. Ultimately, we know this as we have our whole Bible. God fulfills the promise he made and covenant he made to Abraham in the person and work of Jesus and in the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, as you read through the book of Acts, God demonstrates his fulfillment of the promise he made to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. 
And as I was telling you all this morning in our Sunday school class downstairs, Paul to us in Romans 4 and in Genesis and in Galatians that if you are a man or woman of faith like Abraham, if you're in Christ, then you are a son or daughter of Abraham. God called Abraham out of paganism and into covenant with him by word. The only way any of us will ever come to faith, have come to faith, or will come to faith in God is through his word. It's the reason you keep coming to church on Sundays. It's the reason we have teaching throughout the week. It's the reason you study your Bible. It's the reason you share your faith with people. I heard a man named Randy Pope say he was here uh, this summer, and he was talking about sharing the gospel with people, evangelizing, and he said, you know, sometimes we get all hung up about we got to bring people to faith. You can't bring anybody to faith. <laughs> but he says, take the word of God, and he said, stick them. <laughs> he said, just stick them. I thought, what? The word is a sword, the scripture tells us. He says, you stick them and you let God do the work. Well, God has revealed himself here to Balaam. God uses Balaam to demonstrate that God has a plan for his people throughout the ages of history. And you all, if he wasn't faithful to his word, we would not be in here today. We wouldn't be in here today. God loves his people. God saves his people through his word. Well, God forms his people by his word. And next, I want you to see number four. God's people are to be led by God's word and fed by God's word. The prophet can only speak what the Lord tells him to speak. And Balaam says this over and over and over again as I was reading there. That's, that was the pattern. I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. And keep in mind, he's a prophet. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he tempted him. He said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. As one would say, because I know you're hungry. <laughs> you're hungry. I know you're hungry. You've been out here all this time. What does the Lord respond to him? I love this. I love this. What is Jesus, what is his response to the deceiver, to the accuser, to the devil? Man shall live. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word, as the King James says, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity who became one of us, quotes the written word. And he defeats a temptation of the devil. Balak called Balaam out to curse the people of God. And the prophet says, I can only say what God wants me to say. I told you I didn't understand the donkey and Balaam because, you see, the angel of the Lord stand. Well, one reason is the Lord tells the first time Balaam asked to go, the Lord says, nope, don't go with these guys. Well, they, they come back and they, they ask him, yeah, we, we need you to come. The king wants you to come. And so he goes and talks to the Lord again. The Lord says, well, go. Well, in the, 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 the next, when, when Balaam loads up his donkey and he prepares to leave, what happens next? The Lord gets angry at him. I thought, now, wait a minute, now, Lord, you just told him to go and now you're angry at him. Now, something's not making sense here. 
And the angel stands in the way and he doesn't let him go. You know, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. The donkey says to him, now, I've worked for you all these years. Have I ever steered you the wrong way? He says, well, no. (laughs) Then God opens the eyes of this wayward prophet to reiterate to him, you better only say what I tell you to say. God sent the angel of the Lord to emphasize, to solidify, to imprint, to make it absolutely real to Balaam. You're going to be tempted to curse a people, but you can only say what I tell you to say because they are my people and I have a plan for them. I have my business that I want them to do. I've got my way that I want them to purpose for them in shining and being light in the world throughout the ages of time. Only say what I tell you to say. Balaam protects Israel by the word of the Lord. They didn't even know it. That just blows me away. They didn't even know it. They were plotted against. God sends the prophet with the word. Israel's camped out in the plains of Moab. The king plots against them. But the Lord, the covenant Lord, protects them and he keeps them by his promise, by his word. The king is not able to overcome God's word. And may I say it this way as well? So I'm talking a lot about them. I hope you're hearing how it relates to us, though. I haven't said it yet. In the world we live in today, it doesn't matter who the king is. It doesn't matter who the president is. Doesn't matter who the prime minister is of whatever country of the world that you live in. The word of God will always prevail. History exists for God. Never, ever forget that. History is God's history. And God has us in this room today, existing at this time, hearing his word for his purposes in his world. Because he's got a plan for people. The king is not able to overcome God's word. He tries three times to change Balaam's prophecies concerning Israel, but to no avail. God reigns. God reigns over everything. All of earth, all of time, and over all of history. And the last point I want you to see from here is this. Pastors, also called pastor teachers. Pastors are men Chosen and appointed by God to lead, to feed God's people, what? The word of the Lord. Word of the Lord. Balaam was chosen on one hand by Balak to curse, but he was chosen by God to bless. He was chosen by God to give God's word. He was chosen by God to bless God's people and to silence the mouth of this pagan king. Balaam was chosen by God to know God's promise given to Abraham that God's going to bring to fruition. The role of the prophet in the Bible was to tell the people what God says. What is the role of the preacher? What is the role of the pastor of this church? Of every church, what it's supposed to be, I'll put it that way, is to teach and preach the people of God, God's Word, so that you can grow 
so that sinners might know that they are sinners, so that believers might grow in their faith in God. The King James Bible says, what thus saith the Lord. You've had numerous, you haven't had too, you haven't had too many. I, I know a little, I know some of your history here. You, you've had a certain number, a small number of senior pastors, and that's a good thing. That means God has faithfully used them. Fred Carr has been one of your pastors. Kurt is your pastor. You chose these men, but God chose these men. And why did he choose them? He chose them to teach you and to preach to you and to invest in you God's word. And my prayer for you all is that you'll continue to ensure that God, that you, through the wisdom of God, continue to choose pastors from now until the return of King Jesus, men who are appointed by God to lead and to feed God's people, here at atonement, the life-giving, life-transforming Word of God. I want to share one more thing with you. It's what I was referring to downstairs this morning. A person asked downstairs, oh, Two people asked about how to know that I was to become a pastor. How to know I was to be a, a teacher of God's people. In the summer of 2000, I went away to Ohio with one of my best friends. To He asked me to go there with him to his home church and to start a college ministry there. And I went. This was uh, one of the, the times in college when I, when I didn't go on what I said to you earlier, the, the Summer Beach Project or the Cross-Cultural Project. So I went to Ohio. And I worked at McDonald's in the morning, and uh, I was discipling three guys through the week. I taught Sunday school. I uh, uh, taught on Wednesdays. We, we had a very, I had a good time while I was there. But one morning, my friend Alan came and picked me up from, from uh, work, and uh, I was in the back seat. He had one of the guys he was discipling up front, and I was looking through this magazine for uh, a, a Christian bookstore up there, and I came upon a book by John Piper. Now, he's one of my, he's one of my heroes. I told him this morning I met him once. But there was a book there called The Legacy of Sovereign Joy. And it contains three biographies, one of Augustine, one of Martin Luther, and one of John Calvin. And I told my friend, I said, ah, I need you to take me to the bookstore right now. I want to buy this book right now. And he did. It took me right there. I bought it. And I read it in two days. But I came across the passage in there, you all. When I read it, it solidified for me. In the year 2016 years ago, this is your calling, Terrence. This is what I have appointed for you to do. When I came under the care of the East Presbytery, the Presbytery of the East last year, I read this to them because I wanted them to understand this is what I will do until I die. This is what I want to do until I die. This comes from John Calvin's sermon, one of his sermons to the epistle. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, and I want you to hear this. Let the pastors boldly dare all things by the word of God. Let them constrain all the power, glory, and excellence of the world to give place to and to obey the divine majesty of this word. Let them enjoin everyone by it from the highest to the lowest. Let them edify, build the body of Christ. Let them devastate Satan's reign. Let them pasture the sheep 
Kill the wolves. Instruct and exhort the rebellious. Let them bind and loose thunder and lightning if necessary. But let them do all according to the word of God. The prophet was called to give God's word. Your preachers are called to give God's word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you, O Lord, that the word became flesh and lived tabernacled among us. We thank you, O Lord, that your spirit continues to work through your word in the world, accomplishing your purposes every single day. We thank you, O Lord, that you have assembled this particular church at this particular juncture of time in history to be light in a world of darkness. God, continue to bless her. Continue to bless atonement. May she be a light that shines. May she be a city set on a hill here in this Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia area. Lord, that those who sit in darkness might see the light of Jesus. We thank you for this time, Lord. We commend it to you in Christ's name. Amen and amen.